Hello, this is Tom Williams. You are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's interview podcast. My special guest this week is a young man who is one of the finest, absolutely finest uh, musicians in Chicago, music directors, uh, Jeff Award winning. Say hello to Jeremy Ramey. Hello. Uh, Hello, Tom. Thank you so much for that nice introduction. Well, congratulations on Light in the Piazza at Theater Ubiquet. You know, there's been several big productions of that show around, but what you did musically with it and what the the uh, performers did on stage really made that show sizzle. Well, I tell you, if before I did Light in the Piazza, if somebody asked me, you know, what's one of your top five musicals that you haven't done that you'd like to do, that certainly would be on the top of my list. And when Fred first contacted me about doing Piazza, I uh, pretty much so would have done it for free if I could have. So don't say really that great. too loud. I know, right? <laughs> wow, yeah it it was it was terrific, and you uh, you you guys won the Je- several Jeff Awards for that yes, show. Uh, yeah. and you we won were, for Best Music Director. I did. Um, we were nominated for eight Jeff Awards, and we walked away with six. Wow, that's that's pretty strong. That's pretty. Congratulations on that. Let's talk about Smokey Joe's Cafe, the current show that that you're doing, which is a a, a major departure from. Light in the Piazza. It, it, indeed it is. Tell us about this show, because these are two unknown guys, yet we know their songs. That's right. Um, Lieber and Stoller, it's it's all of their music, and it covers uh, basically the 60s and 70s, and what a lot of people don't know, while they may not recognize their name, uh, they certainly would recognize their music. Certainly a lot of uh, Elvis Presley music. Yeah, Jailhouse um, Rock. Jailhouse Rock, Hound Dog, um, uh, Oh geez, what's Fools the other? Fall in Love, Fools Fall in Love, uh, Spanish Yak, Harlem, Yak, Spanish Yak, Harlem, yeah. uh, Charlie Brown, Baby That's Rock and Roll. So it's a it's a show that has thirty nine songs in it, and it uh, it sounds like a lot, but it really flies by pretty fast. Yeah, it well, it's a pure review. I mean, it just rolls from one song into the next song into the next song. Indeed, it does. How did you approach this musically? You you did you do the reductions and and all the music? Uh, Yes, originally I believe the pit was scored for seven seven musicians, and we scaled that back to four. The uh, original production uh, had, in, a, in addition to what we have currently right now, which is a bass player, a percussionist, and a saxophone player, they also had... And you are on piano. And, and me on piano, of course. And uh, it also had um, a, an organ player and a guitar player. So we're, we're missing those two from our pit. But, you know, for the space at Theo Ubique, we wanted to pare it down to four really stellar musicians. And I think that we've done that. I, I really am very pleased with my pit. Yeah. And as a trademark of anything at Theo Ubique, it's, it, for folks who haven't been there, it's a, it's a fairly small, really a, a, a cafe yes. with, a, with a small stage and, and uh, live music. But one of the trademarks of the show is the... Tremendous singing, the enunciation. You can understand every word of every song, including the real rockish songs, which is a major accomplishment. The other trademark is what you did with the the music. Many times in small theaters, all you hear is the percussion, or in the case of a saxophone, uh, you hear that, you hear nothing else, it just dominates. It's like they're beating the, the drum on your chest. How did you get the music and i know it's a trademark that you're not the only one that's thought other music directors have done it but what's the trick in that space that other 
theater companies don't do? Well, I would love to tell you that I had uh, a silver bullet or um, a certain technique where I could go to the musicians and and really achieve a balanced sound in that small space. But the honest the honest answer is I basically tell the musicians before I hire them, uh, this is the space that we're operating in, and um, balance is the, the number one thing that we think about when we're putting on a show at uh, Theo Ubique in No Exit Cafe. And so, you know, we sit, uh, we go through three or four rehearsals before we even have the cast come in. Uh, we do zits probes and then, of course, our dress rehearsals and previews where we sit in there and really try to find those moments where, as musicians, we can we can play out. We have the holes. And then those moments where, you know, we really have to pull back our volume to make sure that the the actors and singers on stage are, are being understood and heard by the audience. So some of it is just being aware of it, though, obviously. Absolutely. Some of these other places, I just I guess, aren't aware of it because I... Yeah. We see shows, and I won't name a couple of them, but, but uh, where the the singers, four or five singers, you cannot hear them. Well, it's always a challenge, especially yeah. uh, we don't do any um, artificial amplification of sound. Ed. Thank God. I know yeah. it's it's all it's a completely acoustic show, which I for one absolutely love. Um, it's a I'll challenge, look, though, isn't it? It is. It is, but. You know, anytime you bring in amplification, you you have to also think about the quality of the equipment that you have. I mean, if you've got a $500 speaker system, it's going to take off from, you know, what you can do in terms of shaping, color, and tone. So... I didn't realize it yet. Yeah. And, but with... You were telling me uh, before the, or after the show, when I was there last Sunday, that... Um, it's hard for musicians, particularly uh, percussionists, to play soft. Absolutely. Um, I never realized that. I mean, we're used to drummers, yeah, hitting yeah. the bang and the it's, drum. It's a lot harder to play sensitively and quiet uh, and quietly, um, more so than one uh, one is used to, than actually playing out, even at a normal uh, normal level. And so, again, part of what we had to do in our rehearsal process is song by song. We would sit there and play this song, find moments, uh, and this is this is uh, in conjunction with with the amazing creative team that we had to work with, um, of just sitting there and getting feedback and finding out. Okay, you know, in these four measures, we actually need to bring the vo- volume way down, and and then okay, here's dance breaks or here's like four measures of just the pit where we can actually, you know, exercise a little bit of um, creative muscle. Well, that's that's uh, certainly um, one side of it. But what about the other side of it, uh, the singers? That's well, I know it's Fred's pet peeve in mine too, and I guess a lot of us with a lot of gray hair, uh, enunciation and and projecting. A lot of the kids get ca- caught up in microphones, right. thinking Absolutely. that that's going to do it. But again, the mic only will am- amplify what you give it. So if you don't, if you're mumbling, it's not going to move up that much, or unless you get it way out of kill so how much do you you and the director uh brendan how much did you guys have to do with with uh casting in the sense of were, were they belters or can you know can they project right well i mean when when we do auditions people come in with their prepared music usually it's uh 16 or 32 bar cuts of their songs and in those moments usually they're giving us the money notes and so we don't really have to worry about um, 
can we hear this? Is there going to be a problem with balance or them being able to read in, in a, you know, 70 seat, 60 seat theater? Um, but during our rehearsal pro uh, process, we absolutely have to re constantly remind them that, you know, you've got to spit these words out. And in the words of my friend Jim DeSelm, who's also music directed at No Exit, I mean, you've got to spit it out like you're singing to a 200-seat theater. That's right. Yeah. Versus just the cafe. Uh, and I, I don't mean that derogatively, uh, but the cafe at uh, No Exit. But what's great about that, it's great training for these young performers, which which Fred tends to find because you don't you don't hire equity at this point, yeah. and so there th this is a place where people can get known and get their get their experience. But what training, great training, being forced to you, articulate and enunciate and project. You you've just hit on one of the one of my favorite things about working at Theo Ubique and working with Fred Enzavino in particular. There's sort of this unspoken mission statement that we want to find the best of the best of this new or unknown talent in Chicago, put them on the theater, let them get some press from people like yourself and, and, and other reviewers in the city, and also some, some Jeff nods um, so that we can kind of push them on to to maybe some larger work, some equity work. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, I just, last night, Rachel Klippel was at our show, and uh, she played Clara in Light in the Piazza. That's right. And um, she's a non-equity actress. And since the show, uh, she's she's uh, received some pretty great offers, not the least of which is um, she's going to be working at Drury Lane in the... Um, in, in, I believe the winner of next year, and I'm trying to remember what show they're doing. Um, but Re uh, Roberta Ducek as music directing, I remember that. But the point is, is that a lot of these, a lot of these singers, uh, actors who come through Theo Ubique, it really is a great boost to their career. Yeah, it is, and and uh, uh, it's great training. It absolutely is, and and they learn a lot of the songbooks. Uh, I remember even the when they did the Rodgers and Hammerstein mm -hmm. songbook, how many of the young people did not know a lot of the songs that that I grew up with. Oh, uh, you know that's uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein. Of course, is from we call it the American Songbook, which is music from musicals from the 1920s through about the 1960s. And I actually, I actually got to MD um, the uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein when they took it out to St. Charles. And did it at Fox Valley Theater. Oh yeah. Oh, so you music directed that? I did. That. Yeah, I, I did do that one. Wasn't that a marvelous? Oh, you, you know, you can't go wrong with that music. Yeah. Anytime I'm working with young people and I'm talking, uh, I talk to them about their audition process and putting together their audition books. One of the things I always tell them is that they really should look at some Cole Porter, some Irving Berlin, Rogers and Hammerstein, Rogers and Hart, Julie Stein. You just can't go wrong with that music. Yeah, well, it's it's the great, like you said, the great American song books. I, I would yeah. put an S on the end of it. Well, <laughs> That's true. <clears throat> Let's get back to uh, to this show. Uh, Smokey Joe's Cafe is a pure review. There's no dialogue in it. That's correct. I mean, there's there's kind of a hint of a little bit of a story about the cafe. Right. But how do you, as a music director, approach such a variety of music? I mean, you've got classic. 60s rock you, uh, there's a gospel number in there there's a lot of rhythm and blues and there's some straight out what i call new orleans blues in there yeah well you know anytime i approach a approach a piece um as a music director one of the things that i really think about is the style 
I mean, I can going from something like Light and Piazza, where you have a very realized score, and by that I mean every single note is printed on the page, versus something where you have uh, like Smokey Joe's Cafe, where you can bring a little bit more of your own, um, I don't know, bag of tricks into the show. And part of part of what I do, of course, is listen to a lot of this music from a number of different performers. And if I hear some stuff I like, then I'll take that and uh, incorporate it into my own interpretation of the score. Um, but, you know, it's really, it's the best way to master our style, I think, is just to listen to it and then, you know, practice it. And so, I, you know, over my career, in my career, uh, I grew up in rural Tennessee, so I happen to have quite a familiarity with with this type of music i mean i so jailhouse my, rock oh, yeah, yeah. and hound dog you, oh, yeah, yeah. you, you got yeah. very very familiar with that style of music and uh, of course the gospel stuff that you also hear in the show i mean i've been playing for churches uh particularly southern uh churches since i was 13 years old so it's oh, a lot of fun yeah but the you so you feast on the variety oh absolutely another question that that i i don't think i've ever asked i've had a few music directors on but but how do you keep sharp as a musician? Because you also play piano. You right. conduct and play piano. Right. In a long run, because Light in the Piazza ran, had a pretty long run. Right. I be, we opened up, uh, I believe it was around March the 11th-ish uh, of this year. And we were supposed to close around April the 24th. And the response that we had was just amazing. It's the only show I've ever done in my career where uh, from our dress rehearsal all the way to our final performance, uh, every single show was sold out. Wow. And uh, that, I mean, that, it was, we had people on waiting lists to come and see the show. So, I mean, that that's something that one doesn't experience a lot in their career. And I, I, I'm so glad that I can, I can now say that that happened. So how do you keep it fresh every night? Well, I mean, part of it is integrity. I mean, I, for me as a musician, as a performer, one of the things that I constantly tell myself, and it's, you know, if I'm feeling great or if I'm maybe not feeling so great, I mean, the thing that is so important to me is that everybody is paying the same price for a ticket uh, halfway through the run as they are on opening night. And my part, a big part of my job is making sure that they get the show that they're paid to do. And of course, we also have wonderful stage manager, uh, Rachel Holiday, who's done a number of shows at, uh, Theo. The unsung people in theater. Absolutely. 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 And, you know, part of her job is also maintaining the integrity of the show. And as we go along, you know, uh, it doesn't happen often, but sometimes we have to give a gentle reminder to the cast um, about, you know, the show that we have developed and, and maintaining the integrity of that show. But it seems to me that, that you as the music uh, director and pianist in the show, mm-hmm. you you have kind of a double responsibility. You're, you're kind of the, the lead one. If the singers are lagging a little bit, uh, you got to remind them or what, hit an extra note or whatever. Yeah. Whatever whatever little signals you do to kind of give them a kick in the rear end every once in a while. Well, between me and you and your yeah. listeners, uh, sometimes I have to do that with my pit as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so it, so that's why you you it's a leadership role. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Cuz a lot of people think all a conductor does once it's arranged is just wave his wave his arms. Well, in your case you're you're banging on that piano, especially in this show. Oh yeah. 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 I've actually uh, it's kind of funny um there's a new instrument, a really fine uh, Yamaha 
uh, upright piano that they purchased uh, for Light in the Piazza that now lives at the theater. And, you know, it's a really great instrument. Um, since the start of Smokey Joe, well, I played Piazza for six months and I broke one string in the six months. Um, since Smokey Joe's opened two weeks ago, I've already broken three. <laughs> well, that's because it's the, there's a lot of up-tempo stuff. I, up-tempo I see you stuff. really were, you're really pounding those keys in a lot of those numbers. Yeah, yeah I, it's a good cardio workout. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, how much do you, as a music director, have to do with casting in a in a show like especially in a review where it's all sung well it's uh, it's a lot it's a collaboration between the whole artistic team especially of course um the artistic director or the Mm co-directors and um you know so often we we pretty much so agree on the people that really stand out and seem to be a good fit for our project there are times however where we have to negotiate and and sort of pick pick our choices, pick our battles, as it were. It seemed to me that any director worth their salt is going to listen to their music director. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I, I, I'm hard-pressed to think of a time in my career where I didn't, where I felt like um, I was not being asked for my opinion or my input in, in the casting process. Do you feel a responsibility to tell a director, let's say they cast somebody that you just know can't hit the notes you want right. to hit. And, do you, it's your responsibility to get on the side and say, you know, she's great or he's great, but. Uh, absolutely. Um, there, are, there are certain shows where the director and I, we will actually choose to pick actors who sing versus singers who act. And uh, an example of that is when I was working with David Cromer and we did um, the adding machine, the premiere of adding machine at Next That's Theater. right. You did do that. That, that right. was a big hit. It, well, it, yeah. it did quite well. Yeah. Uh, went to New York. I believe it ran for seven or eight months, won a number of Obies. Um, and uh, in that particular in that particular piece, uh, Joel Hatch was the person that we yeah. that we offered uh, Mr. Zero to. That's right. And Joel is a stunning, amazing Chicago actor. Uh, when he did Adding Machine, he also went uh, to New York when they did that. And he got a lot of exposure in New York. And he's still working there, I think. Uh, yeah, I haven't I seen heard, him in a long time. Yeah. Uh, last I heard, uh, he was on Broadway doing Billy Elliot. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. So, well, that, a lot of that, people don't remember that at one time at uh, Marriott and Drury Lane, he was a song and dance man. Then he got into serious roles, right. serious dramatic roles. And then and then he came back. That's the first musical he's done in, in, in adding machine in, in many years well and he was stunning i mean he, he was mr zero yeah yeah he was I mean, he really uh, amazing actor uh, a delightful man to work with but my point is i mean he's a good example of you know an actor who sings and, and for that particular role that was a good fit we didn't want a typical musical theater actor to come in and and yeah you're right you didn't want him to be too smooth Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. it would it would have hurt that that particular role. Well, let's talk about some of the other shows. Uh, and by the way, Smokey Joe's. Uh, I said in my review that it's one of the best reviews that uh, Theater Ubuque has ever done. Well, thank you. Thank and you I mean, much. they've done some really really good ones, but this this one just uh, you know variety musically the singing some of these young kids are terrific well it's such you know it's such a fun show last night um we had a show and it was kind of a dark dreary day and we had a we had a nice house um 
and after the show is over with, I mean, it's the response that we get is just amazing. I, in some respects, even more so than when we did Piazza. I mean, wow. people are tapping their feet and they're clapping and they're standing up. Well, for a, a relatively unknown show, it ran over 2,000 performances That's in its right. first run on That's Broadway. Right. Yeah. And actually, when it when it originally opened up, the reviews were at best mixed. Yeah. So, But not this time. No, I not this we, time. Not this time. Yeah, this this. Pretty much everyone has, has loved it. So the houses are picking up then. They are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this time of year, everything is opening. Yeah. Uh, I mean. You have some of the toughest competition uh, you could ever get. Yeah. We absolutely do, but I'm very confident in our work, and I put it up against mo- uh, most anything. So. That's, that's, I, I agree with that. So let's talk about some of the, uh, some of the other shows you've been over. But first, your background. You went from a small town in Tennessee, ended up at Juilliard. Tell us through that, take us through that journey. Well, um, I, I discovered fairly early in my, in my life, uh, probably when I was about six or seven years old, that I had, um, sort of a natural talent for music. And even though we had come from financially humble circumstances, I serendipitously met this uh, piano professor who was uh, teaching at the University of Tennessee at Martin who was a child prodigy. She had come from Australia, and uh, she had gone to the Curtis Institute of Music, which is arguably the finest school of music in the world. Um, and she found her, She wound up in Tennessee, and um, she heard me playing one day. She offered me a full scholarship at the age of 13 years old to study with her. And wow. Within a year. That's a great I, start. I know. Within a year, I made my professional debut with the Nashville Symphony Orchestra. So um, I was uh, I was very lucky in my education. Well, I don't say lucky, you know, if you have the talent. But isn't it funny how when I hear these stories, it, when someone has talent, somehow they get discovered. Uh, well, you know, I, I can't, uh, you know, I feel very, very blessed. I have an amazing family uh, have uh, that have always supported me. And, you know, I have the wonderful experiences that I've had with so many of the teachers that I've worked with that, that, um, do you still I mean, correspond with her? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh absolutely. Did she had, did she come up and see any of your shows or concerts? Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, we we still talk. Uh, you know, I send Christmas cards and and whatnot. But uh, she's very much so retired. Okay. And enjoying that right now. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I started out as a concert pianist, a classical pianist. Uh, did my undergrad at a small liberal arts college in Memphis, Tennessee, called Rhodes. And then I did my master's in piano performance at Northwestern, and then. I did my doctoral work at Juilliard. I'd always thought that I was going to be a concert pianist and have a nice little job at a... So are you are you a PhD? Actually, in, uh, in performance, it's a DMA. It's a doctorate in musical arts. Um, PhDs are for musicologists. Okay, okay. all right. What does it say? It's again? a DMA, doctorate in musical arts. Yeah. Wow, congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. So just means all it means is I have a lot of student loan debt. <laughs> yeah. And you are you you teach now. Um I do. I I teach uh some at Columbia College. Okay. I do a lot with their musical theater program uh that's under the wonderful direction of Andra Vila Simon and then I also teach some at Northwestern. I do some master classes there. Um, I mean, for me, one of the things that I, I realized in my 20s, you know, with a doctorate in my back pocket from Juilliard is that I absolutely hate teaching. <laughs> <laughs> and what I, what I 
I found out is that I'm really uh, performance is is what I love. Uh, I love music direction. I love conducting, but performance ultimately is. But that's is, not a bad day gig, though, right? No, not yeah. at all, not yeah. at all. And and I do enjoy it. I'd say right now I'm probably about eighty five percent performance space, and the rest is pedagogy. Okay, that that's terrific. Uh, and so, what was your first Chicago show? Oh, uh, so. When I uh, started my master's work at Northwestern, I I met a uh, I met a guy there. His name is uh, David Beal, and um, we we were friends. Uh, we had some mutual friends. So back in I believe it was 1999, uh, David called me up, and I had really wasn't doing musical theater. David called me up and. He was doing a reading of a Stephen Foster musical that he had written, and his music director had quit on him unexpectedly a couple of days before the performance, and David called me up all in a tither and, and said, hey, you know, can you music direct this for me? And I, I really did not want to do it, and I told him, I said, David, if you absolutely can't find anybody else to do it, I'll do it. So you were this classical music snob, right? And you, that was beneath you. I, I well, it. I don't know that well, it was beneath yeah. me, but it wasn't really my okay. what I considered my forte at the time. But as uh, as fortune would would have it, I did the musical. There were a couple of artistic directors in the in the theater that night that saw my work, and they called me up, and it just sort of snowballed from there. Wow. Yeah, so you ended up doing uh, Altar Boys? I did Altar Lane. Boys with Alan Bukowicki, a yeah. very, very fine music director and pianist that here in Chicago. It was a cute show. It was. Yeah. It, was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun doing that. And you did Hats, too. I that, remember that. Yeah. I have to tell you, of everything that I've ever done in my career, that was the most fun. But it was a show, and I believe it had seven seven ladies in it, mm-hmm. all of whom were over fifty years old. Right, uh, and of course Melissa Manchester was in it, and it was like doing a show with your mother. <laughs> <laughs> and so they would constantly come in, and you know, Jeremy, have you eaten? And they would give me half of their sandwich. But it was it was a really wonderful experience. Yeah, that 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 can certainly make it fun. And then uh, you did Forever Platted. I did. I stepped in for that. Uh, I, I stepped in halfway through that run. Um, uh, Kevin Dish was playing the show, and he was leaving to go, I, I believe, do a, a do a gig on a cruise ship. And so I wound up doing the half part, of, uh, the half end of that run uh, there at Drew Lane. It was a really great experience. Yeah. Then you uh, you you did uh, Greg Opelka's show. I did. Say la vie. Yeah, yeah. Greg's a, Greg's a good guy and a terrific writer. Oh, he really yeah. is. It yeah. was a, it was a delightful show. We did that for the summer program with Light Opera Works, mm-hmm. and um, it, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's a great piece. Uh, Greg's music is very accessible. It's clever. Um, and it's just fun to do. I mean, it's a really, really well. That was very, it's a very French show, and of course, you're one of the players in the show too. Besides playing, I mean, you're you're one of the actors. Yes, I, I I believe my name was uh, Philippe. I, th- I think that was my character's name. Okay, Philippe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was that was fun. So that gives you a little taste of uh, of being out of the pit and being in the it, spotlight. Indeed, it does. Indeed, it does. Did you enjoy that? I I I I did. Uh, I will tell you that. Um, as much as I have performed, and you know, I've, I've played in front of the largest performance I ever did. Uh, I played Great Balls of Fire um, for the National Square Dance Convention 
and uh, it was in the uh, the Pyramid Arena in Memphis, Tennessee, and there were 25,000 square dancers there. Wow. So, but my point is, I'm very comfortable playing in, okay. in front of audiences, yeah. but... Uh, I had, it, it took a lot of practice for me to feel comfortable to actually get up and and play uh, play a role, play a role, yeah. regardless of how small it was. But, but why is it that you music directors want to do it? I, I remember Doug Peck telling me he he likes doing it, and he did. I forget what show he did. I think it was um, Curtains, mm-hmm. where he was in the pit, but he had a couple of lines and a couple yeah. of key jokes. Some right, right, right. And he got a big. He said, "Oh, I." So that's my highlight of my evening, even though he's playing yeah. all the way through the show. Yeah, that that is fun. Yeah, but when you're actually playing a character and you have to get up and you have blocking and you know you have some bits, um, that that's you know I'm fine as long as the piano is front in front of me. But it's it's fun. It definitely is fun, and it certainly shakes me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. So. Well, that's that that's cool. Well, you've had you've had quite a career for a young guy. What what are some of the things you want to do now? I, this is a question I ask everybody that you haven't done. That's a great question. You know, it's funny. I was actually just thinking about this um, not terribly long ago. Uh, right now, I'm so amazingly content and blessed. Um, I love the work that I'm doing at Theo Ubique. And uh, above and beyond that, I'm also a director of music for a church up in Evanston uh, called Unity Church on the North Shore, North Shore which I've been okay. at for 10 years. Okay. Uh, I really love that. I mean, in in terms of, of you know, what I want to do going forward, um, I would say basically what I'm doing now, maybe on a, uh, maybe on a larger level. Um, but... Uh, Boy, that's a hard question. Um, I know you should always have these five-year goals, but right now I'm just so okay. content doing what but I am. What, what is there some type of music or a show that you, you'd love the music direct that you haven't done yet? Oh, there's plenty. Um, I mean, all the Sondheim shows that I haven't done, uh, Little Night Music, I haven't done that. Passion, I haven't done that. Um, Sunday in the Park with George, I haven't done that. Yeah, go see it at Shakespeare. I, I, Gary Griffin. Absolutely. Just knocks it dead it's the best production ever of that show well i tell you i can't wait to see it yeah and actually there's some um piazza alum that are in that i believe i think is kelly harrington in that or Um, did i just dream that not sure but she might be in the ensemble um but uh uh certainly that uh there's some lacusa stuff that i would love to do that i haven't done um i would love to do some of the some of the tried and true, like I haven't done Chicago. I haven't done. That's a great piece. I, I yeah. I love like, to do Chicago. It's got so much ju- a, jazz in it. That's, yeah, yeah. Such a fun score. And it's actually scored for two pianos, which. Yeah, um, that's right. When I was earlier in my career, I used to tour doing two piano concerts. Um, so it's, it's always a lot of fun. What about composing? Um, composing, you know, I, I, I've dabbled in it, but there are plenty of people that do it better than I, I, love taking other people's work and interpreting it that's where i think my real forte is you and uh, doug peck told me the same thing yeah I, that, that, I guess composing is a different animal well it is a different animal um and you know like i said there are plenty of people that do it really well i love i love taking what somebody has done and making it work for whatever space that we're doing it and, and that it, includes it, arranging and oh, of course yeah. in, interpreting what's on well, the score. It, 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 reminds me that almost all of the great composers and all the Broadway composers all had arrangers. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. They work with other people. And yeah. they make and they do very well for themselves. I will tell you that. 
Yeah, and, and they're, they're, they get a they get a little royalty on all of it. The, oh, the, yeah, they're, down the they're, line, they're nicely paid. Yeah, so they're, you wouldn't mind doing doing uh, arrangements and so forth for a big Broadway show if you got called. Of course not. Um, <laughs> I w- I will say that uh, I would love to play the show as well. But, okay, but certainly no. I mean, I, what a problem to have. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is terrific. Well, this has been great. And what advice would you give to young musicians who are trying to make it like you have? Um, you know, practice, study, listen. Um, I mean, you certainly have to believe in yourself. This is a very hard business. I mean, I'm not telling, saying anything that people don't already know. It's a hard business. And one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was from a musical mentor at uh, Northwestern. He said, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to trust your talent. You've got to believe in your talent. And that's what I would say to a lot of people out there that are just getting the start in their career because, you know, um, the reality of it is is they're probably going to uh, face a lot more rejection than they are offers. And so, you know, you just got to keep going. You've got to keep going and uh, growing as an artist, as a musician, and, um, you know, believe in that talent. Yeah, that's that's good advice. Well, congratulations on so far. You've, uh, you've, you've been a blessing in the Chicago theater scene. Oh, thank you so much. That's, and that's folks, it. thanks for listening. Remember, go see a play this week. Mm-hmm.